This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. On this episode, we have Jamie Davis, Head of Acquisition at, and CRM at FIT. Jamie, welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. Thank you very much. Great. Thank you for coming. It's great to have you on the show. So question to the audience. Do you exercise? Do you go to, to the gym? Yes, today, most of us who do, because of lockdowns, have had to switch to digital fitness to keep ourselves in shape. And you know what? If you do exercise at home, chances are you're using the app that my today's guest will be talking about, the FIT app, F-I-I-T-I-I. To start off, let's talk about you, Jamie. Talk about your background. Cool. Thank you, Art. Yeah, it's great to be on the podcast today. So yeah, a little bit of my background. So I have been working in digital marketing, product marketing and acquisition marketing for the best part of a decade. So I started my career by working in sports betting where I held a CRM position and learned tons about customer data. I then moved on into live events and entertainment. And then I cut my teeth in the luxury retail industry. And then most recently in my current position, I look after acquisition CRM at FIT. So working in the the digital fitness space. Great. So let's talk about the FIT app itself. First of all, my quick question, why F-I-I-T, FIT? <laughs> Any story behind the app name? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. It was between that and a couple other names that were on the paper. We decided to go with FIT. It's a play on high interval training, high intensity interval training, which is HIT, so H-I-I-T. Um, and we thought it was pretty memorable to have FIT as the name of a fitness company and then incorporating the two I's um, as a nod to kind of HIT training. But then also, mm-hmm. if I look at our logo, the two I's actually represent two people, which kind of showcases that we're trying to build a community of fitness lovers and that there was a two-way interactivity between us and our users. So there's kind of a bit of a branding reason behind it, as well as mm-hmm. some historical kind of nodding towards the history of HIT workouts. That's nice. I always like to hear the story behind the app's name. It's cool. Well, you know, obviously, being the head of acquisition of the company, you must have a good grasp on what's going on in the digital fitness today and what are the forecasts for its growth. Please tell us about it. Yeah, sure. Well, I guess digital fitness is really still in its infancy. If you have a look at the overall fitness market, it's a huge, huge industry that's dominated by traditional forms of fitness. So whether that's traditional gym, models, whether that's kind of boutique studio models or, you know, a, a tiny portion of the industry is currently made up of digital marketing. So if you have a look globally, that globally, there's around about 210 million people with a gym membership and only 26 million of those have a membership for a digital platform. So it's, it's, it's a really tiny percentage in comparison to the whole market. However, it's growing at a rapid rate. So 
before the pandemic, the digitalization of fitness was well on its way. Like the digitalization of many industries, it's inevitable. That's not to say that we believe that digital fitness is going to replace physical fitness. We, we believe that we're going to live in a world where they both complement one another. And we want to work with physical spaces to really ensure that users and gym members have a holistic way of training. So all of the information that they're doing, whether it's in a physical space, such as a gym or a boutique studio, versus what they're doing on digital platforms is, is married and the user has all of that information at their disposal. If you have a look at some of the numbers that have happened over the last year, at the moment, digital fitness currently makes up of around about 6% of the fitness market. But by 2027, it's predicted to make up 35%. So it's a rapidly growing segment within the industry. And I guess from our perspective, you know, fit position themselves, you know, we're three, we're three years old now. So we're coming up to our third birthday. Mm-hmm. And in the first two years, we worked tirelessly to be able to position ourselves as the UK's number one rated fitness app. And then when the pandemic hit, what happened is it really accelerated people's reaction towards digital fitness. You know, we have incredible stories whereby people who hadn't ever experienced digital fitness were trying our platform out for the first time. These were people that were skeptical about at-home fitness or digital fitness. You know, they were happy with their their routine of going to the gym or going to the sport club or doing their cardio work running whatever Mm -hmm. it looked like and they weren't they weren't ready to try digital fitness but their behavior had to shift because it was forced to change and what we've seen now is that people have actually tried our content and realized that they could get a killer workout on a digital platform which they didn't realize they could get and the feedback that we're getting with some of our users who have had to try out products like ours is that they're actually going to change their behaviors once everything opens back up. That's not to say that they're not going to go back to the gym, but what we will see is that they'll probably go back to a hybrid way of working, which is, you know, a mixture of both the physical and the digital experiences. You know what my kind of personal take is that uh, as a guy who is going to the gym or who was going to the gym before the lockdown and I hope I will be able to get back. It looks like regularly you can see, Guys are, you know, they're not taking part of the group training. They're on their own. They're pumping the uh, um, iron in some corner on their own program. And you see girls being, you know, exercising groups. And they're kind of, uh, if you're looking at the whole audience of gyms, girls, some are uh, looking for the, you know, the company, something to uh, help them to, you know, keep doing that. They, they need a company about other girls to do it in a group. For the guys, it's kind of the opposite. So I see it like for guys, it's either to do it at home and look at the screen and just following what the trainer has to say, because this is pretty much not that different with their experience in the gym. But for the women, it, it can be kind of a little bit more diff- difficult. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think that there's any evidence to suggest that you know, males and females behave too much differently in the gym space, especially from the kind of information and data that we have as part of our organization and the research that we've done within the space. You know, we Mm -hmm. believe we can cater for anybody. So whether you are looking for strength exercises, whether you're looking for cardio exercises, or you're looking for yoga, we've got a platform that caters for all of those needs. We aren't going to be able to replicate some cases. So if you're training in jujitsu, you know, we don't offer that level of, of training. If you're looking to lift heavy weights, you know, male or female, we don't provide, you know, big, big weight sessions. Um, However, we do believe that those people who do those types of things can utilize fit to complement their training. So whether it is stretching, whether it is working on their cardiovascular strength, 
whether it's whether it's working on toning up and building up different muscle groups, we certainly believe that we can help complement other activity that they're doing. Um, and then in terms of your question around like the community element, so you know your observations around people in the gym and and building that community element, that's something that we inherently are, are trying tirelessly to try and replicate, which is it's always difficult through a digital flat, digital platform, as we've been seeing recently with you know the ways of having meetings and being you know be, being forced to to, to to communicate through digital platforms, it's not the easiest thing to do to build a sense of community, to be able to read people's reactions and be able to be part of something together. However, we're building features within our product that really promotes that. So you're able to compete with, with other people on live leaderboard classes, which is an amazing feature that allows us to grow a community, it allows us to go out and, and, and encourage people to invite their friends and their network. We also have kind of challenge features where you know we we offer community challenges, whether it's on a monthly basis or a quarterly basis, where people can do these things together, and it really harnesses that community spirit. And we have we have amazing stories whereby people have never met each other before physically, but yet they take a class together on our platform, a, a, an organised kind of group class, just just a couple of them. And they do that on a weekly basis, although they've never met each other in real life. And that's the type of community that we really want to build and harness whilst, you know, particularly at this time, I know that things are opening up slightly, but whilst we're in this period where it's not going to be the same experience that they have going to their physical spaces. That's terrific. I love stories when the app, uh, you know, on top of its you know, major function brings more dividends to people who are using it. They can build a, build a small community uh, on top of taking the advantage of what the app has to offer. That's yeah, great. Yeah, it's great to see. Okay, so um, I know you recently were featured in the article in Wired, along with the Apple Fitness Plus and Peloton. How do you feel in such company? And uh, what is your edge over this quite powerful competition, in your opinion? Yeah, good question. I think when we first saw the article, we were we were flattered, you know, to be compared to you know one of the most valuable companies ever built versus yeah. you know the most the most valuable fitness company that there's ever been in Peloton was it was room for encouragement and the fact that you know we're now starting to get recognized as a leader in this industry. We are on the flip side incredibly ambitious and we believe that we should be you know spoken alongside those types of brands and offerings and the fact that we're coming out on top as the fitness platform to beat versus those two is is great um and we believe you know what what sets us apart it's a, it's a great question and i think that you you can't look at those three products as one of the same thing they each individually offer something quite unique where where we differ and we believe we potentially have the edge is that mm -hmm. we offer our users more in terms of an open ecosystem so we calibrate with the most popular wearable devices in the industry um, and what that means is that people can take our classes and get real-time feedback with metrics and stats which means that they can push themselves harder because we're giving them that feedback um, and the fact that we are able to live in an open ecosystem versus someone like Apple. So Apple is always going to try and keep their user in the Apple ecosystem. It's going to be the watch. It's going to be Apple TV. Exactly. So they're going to try and keep themselves in a very kind of strict ecosystem, whereas we can kind of be the product that's everywhere. And we are, you know, we're, we're religiously focused on a segment of users who we're calling the everyday athlete. And we believe that we need to be on all of the platforms that that type of user uses. Um, and by doing so, you know, we're building various TV apps, we're trying to build integrations with other wearable devices, we're partnering with brands that we believe that user is utilizing and using on a daily basis. 
um, all in the effort to provide our users something, you know, some, something in terms of their fitness ecosystem in which they will use on a daily basis. Who's your average user and in what countries are you big right now, guys? So yeah, I, it's, a, it's a good question. We have focused our efforts. So in the in the three years that Fit has existed in the market, we have focused our attentions to UK and Ireland. We're available to download in m- multiple regions globally. Um, however, kind of our marketing efforts have been focused on the UK and Ireland. Um, we are looking to roll out to other English-speaking regions in this quarter, potentially kind of rolling out towards the back end of next year. Um, so that will look likely to be kind of a North America launch and then mm-hmm. focus on other English-speaking regions such as Australia and, and, and a few others around the globe, which we're really excited about to be able to take fit international is it's incredible for the team. And we've started to validate which re- regions we really think are gonna 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 be popular from the data that we already have with being live in, in several regions. So we're super, super excited. It's a very competitive marketplace. So we, we you know, our international launch is, is something that we're working tirelessly on as a team and making sure that everything's right. And to be able to utilize all of the learnings that we've had from you know the, the three years that we've been trying to promote and grow grow this business to be able to then use some of those learnings internationally is going to be really helpful but we also have to understand that there are going to be you know fundamental differences in launching in some of those markets so really understanding how those markets operate understanding what the landscape is and what the competitor landscape is, is is super important to us right now absolutely new country new market new culture yep. new competition you have to be aware of like what will be your positioning there um I think my next question kind of a nice dovetails with this one because uh, usually when people are going to a new market, they're thinking about partnerships with folks mm-hmm. on the ground to make sure that they have a good partner to help you understand what's going on at that market and be successful. Up till now, we haven't talked much on this podcast about partnerships. It's a business channel. So I wonder how do you approach partnerships and how does it help you to grow? Yeah, it's a, another great question. So with our partnership strategy, you know, we are now, um, we're now a brand that is actually on people's radar. You know, other, other brands come to us and, and we're lucky in the sense that a lot of our partnership conversations have really accelerated over the last 18 months. Beforehand, it was very difficult for us to get in front of these bigger businesses because we were quite a small brand. You know, our proposition hadn't quite yet got out there into, you know, we're probably not quite in the mass market regions right now, but we're starting to get into that territory. Um, so now we're able to have these kind of more meaningful conversations with partners to ensure that we are able to provide them something. And that's reciprocated in our sense that we can we can we can utilize them for whether it's commercially or exposure or there's just a really great brand alignment that we, we you know, we're confident that we can provide our users with something unique through. Um, so it is a big part of our growth initiatives over the next you know, foreseeable couple of years you know we've probably got a, a two or three year marketing growth plan that we have put together and one of those key pillars is is through key partnerships and i mentioned kind of ensuring that fit is part of an open ecosystem and that applies to partnerships as well so really being laser focused on our everyday athlete and understanding the types of other brands that they're engaging with and how we can be part of that ecosystem um to give you an example you know we mm-hmm. we, we built the first fitness app on sky q And so for those that don't know, Sky is kind of a, a media TV platform that we have in the UK. Um, it's one of the most popular uh, TV platforms. I think they've got over 5 million customers in the UK. 
Um, and we built the first first TV app, uh, fitness TV app on their platform, and it's soon to become one of the, the world's first interactive fitness TV app. Um, and that was a great milestone for us because they obviously have a huge customer base and community. And the fact that we were their first fitness app they were offering as part of their platform was a great move for us. We, we, we were there before our competition and it really spoke to our user base. You know, they responded really well. It was great from a brand um, brand perspective because it, it meant that we were aligned with someone like Sky in the UK. Um, and then from an experience perspective, it means that, you know, the, our, our users are able to utilize the fit products on products that they use every day. Um, so that was an example of a really important partnership. And then, as I mentioned, we, we calibrate with multiple wearable devices and we've got integrations with the likes of Fitbit, Samsung Watch, Apple Watch um, and multiple chest straps. That really allows us to, to tap into this market of, you know, we want to target people that are interested in the interactivity element of our product, that are training because of the data, because they want to level up and push themselves and the data is meaningful to them. They want, to, they want to perform, they want to beat their PBs, they want to beat people on leaderboards and all of that is done through the interactivity piece. So ensuring that we partner with the likes of, you know, Fitbit and Samsung and, you know, they can elevate our marketing efforts is, is super, super important. Any uh, ideas, any thoughts about, uh, you know, sport products companies like Adidas or Adidas? It depends on which side of the pond you are. It's either Adidas or Adidas. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts about the partnerships with, with these guys? Yeah, I mean, apparel is really interesting. You know, at the, the moment we are, you know, our core business has to be on producing the best type of hit content and the best class content whilst the product's being as stable as possible. Um, that's not to say that we haven't got a few opportunities with apparel partners on the horizon. I think you're right. It's, you know, we, 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 we offer over 750 classes on our app. So therefore, you know, there's a lot of people looking at our content. So there's, there's a few conversations that are happening now. And if you have a look at Peloton, I think Peloton recently released that apparel is one of their biggest revenue streams within their organization or one of the fastest growing anyway. So it, it really is, um, it really is a, a successful partnership for other people in this space and something that we can't ignore. Um, so yeah, I can't give too much away right now, but that, you know, watch this space and yeah, it's, it's something that we, we, we certainly believe is going to amplify our users experience as well by being kitted out in the best possible kit as well. What is your experience with performance marketing? Um, what channels do you use and which do you see bringing you the biggest growth? Yeah. Performance marketing is, you know, one of the, one of the key pillars of our growth strategy, and it has been, you know, since our conception, really understanding where our users are and being confident in our messaging and targeting has, you know, got us to where we are today. You know, there's, there's, there's four key pillars, I would say, to our growth efforts. That's positioning, product marketing, partnerships, and then performance. And in terms of the channels that work well for us, you know, we see success across multiple channels. Instagram, Facebook being kind of the predominant channel that we get the best return on, but we are experimenting constantly. You know, we're a growing company and we're, we're ambitious. So we are testing multiple channels where we see fit and really understanding where our user base is. We've got a really interesting product to promote to many different types of people. We don't believe that our, our target segment is a certain demographic or a certain age group. Um, we believe that as long as they have a mentality of, of being serious about their training, it doesn't matter where you are in terms of age or level. So therefore, we're able to experiment on different channels with different types of content to really understand how we utilize performance marketing and how we can bring in the right type of traffic. So it's a really interesting project from that perspective, because we do have 
you know, we have flexibility in being able to learn and um, adjust our, you know, spends versus channels and, di- you know, different ways of thinking creative- creatively. Um, so it's really exciting from a performance marketing perspective. And it, and it truly has been one of our cornerstones of, of, of growth up until now. To be honest, I think every human being needs to exercise. <laughs> it's yeah. just a kind of a natural state of being. The sky is a, is a limit, uh, I should say, for the in terms of audience. It's just a matter of how many folks you can convince. This yeah. is what they need to do in their life. It should be part of their life, like you know, yeah. brushing their teeth and something. It's just it should come natural. Yeah. Okay. So. We've kind of wrapped up the major questions on the table in this podcast. And uh, I just have a few questions that I'm asking every guest on this show to help the audience to know a little bit better uh, of who or he or she is. Yeah. All right. So are you iOS or Android person? On which side of this duopoly are you? Difficult question. I currently use iOS. I have done for a number of years. However, as a marketeer, with the changes that iOS is going through at the moment, I would say oh, yeah. that I'm on the fence. And but I, yeah, I understand the pros and cons of both platforms. So I am an iOS user, but I I, I appreciate that both have their positives and negatives. Gotcha. Yeah, um, diplomatic mm-hmm. answer there. That's the <laughs> that's where I'm at. Okay. What was your first mobile phone? My first phone, so I remember being relatively young. I think I was probably around about 13, and I got gifted from my granddad. He actually gave me an old phone of his once his contract had ended, and he gave me, it was a Nokia 8110. And if you remember, it was the banana phone, the one where the the, the face of it slid down, and it was the one mm. that Neo in The Matrix um, used in the film. So. That was pretty cool to know that Keanu Reeves was using the same phone that I had as a kid. And I think I was too young to really appreciate it. I probably had about three people saved in the phone book. It was probably my mum, my grandparents, and that was probably about it. And I think it probably slid down the side of the bed and I never used it again for a period of time. So but I do remember taking it into school and showing my friends and everyone being pretty impressed, but not really knowing what to do with the phone at that age when you didn't have anyone to contact it. I think texting wasn't even a thing at the time. Um, so this 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 was going back a bit. That's great. That's a great story. Okay, imagine imagine you've left your smartphone at home. Um, yeah. You left your home for whatever reason, groceries. Uh, you went to the office, anything. And the, what would be the most missing feature for you because I've left your smartphone at home? Yeah, good good question. I guess if it was if it was just on an average day where I wasn't trying to get somewhere, I think if I was going somewhere that where I didn't know where I was going, maps, maps would be the one thing that I probably can't live without if I'm trying to figure out going to different places that I don't know that well. The other thing I would say is I'm in the week when, or on a, on a work day, like not having Slack available to me, I find that fairly problematic. It's, it's pretty busy and I like to communicate with the team on a regular basis. So I think I'd miss Slack. And then of course I would miss WhatsApp not that I'm on WhatsApp all day. However, if there's any kind of important messages that I want to send to friends, family, or just to stay connected. And I think this is proof that really the things that we truly value or the things that I truly value about, you know, the different devices is, is the connectivity. It's being able to communicate with people versus being on social media or, you know, having the internet at my disposal. It's more about the connectivity element and, and, and being able to communicate with people. Yeah, I think it's one of the reasons why uh, when we look at these stats, like uh, what apps people actually use on a daily basis, it usually comes down to 
communication. Um, and yeah, these three, five apps they've been using all the time. They're for the most part, it's about to communicate with somebody else. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So when you look at your iPhone right now, what kind of features, hardware, software would you like to see on this device to show up? Uh, what kind of new technologies are you most excited about and waiting to be released and uh, became a part of this thing? I guess from if I, if I answer it from a fitness perspective, I think there's really exciting stuff on the horizon. I'm really excited by some technology that's on hardware, so kind of connected devices. So if you have a look at, there's some companies out there that are doing kind of connected mirror experiences, but that's very much at the beginning of its of its journey. I think camera and motion technology is something that's really interesting that is, you know, it's not something Fit's focusing on, but we certainly have it on the radar of what's cool in the industry and what could be coming. So therefore you can be in front of a screen with a camera and it's able to pick up a lot of the metrics like your movement, you're able to be guided, you're able to show correct form, um, stuff like that's really exciting. I think VR within the fitness space is, is really exciting. Um, and how kind of mobile apps can connect to that experience. I think that would be super, super fun to be able to, you know, be in a space where you are working out in a community, even though you're at home, but you're in a kind of studio environment that looks really cool and fun and you're with other people. And it's, you know, the, the, the virtual reality element of it is really slick. I, I think that could be really cool. What else it's, excites me? I think that's kind of it from a fitness perspective. I think connected weights could be quite cool as well. So being able to have technology that's in weight equipment, so it picks up your reps. And all of this will mm-hmm. negate to have, you know, wearable technology. You, do, you know, you don't need to watch, you know, if, if you haven't got it with you or you've got it somewhere else, if you've got weights that are connected. And this applies to the gym environment as well. So if you've got people in the gym environment that are using connected equipment, it means that all of that data can be collected and stored into whether it's fit or whether it's a way of aggregating a lot of their exercise data it means that you know the user will have a, a universal and holistic you know view of what they're doing with their fitness activity which can then be harnessed and utilized by different products so fit could tap into that and be like okay you need to do a bit more of this this week or um you know we can see that you're training on this we recommend that you train another area of your body so stuff like that's really interesting and and, and having that kind of information at our disposal could be really beneficial gotcha all right. And before I let you go, the very final question, how can people get in touch with you and get more information about what you do? Sure. Yeah. You can find me on LinkedIn. So Jimmy Davis, D-A-V-I-S, you know, I'm not overly active on LinkedIn, but if you do send me a message, I'll be sure to get back to you. I'll be more than happy to answer any questions or yeah, if you just wanted to kind of follow me and, and, and stay in touch with what's happening at FITS, then please feel free. Terrific. Thanks a lot for your time and coming on our podcast, Jimmy. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. And that was Jimmy Davis, Head of Acquisition at CRM at FIT. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. We release episodes on Mondays, so subscribe. And you'll be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please, don't forget to leave us a review and comment on iTunes. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.